Morning. Um, as you know, I'm Jason Selman. I think you know. Um, Doug was on vacation, and uh, his, God has used him to bless me with the opportunity to uh, speak to you today about something that uh, I honestly felt not very equipped to talk about, but it's the best thing for me to talk about because it forces me to study it and uh, to make changes in my own life. But Doug has been talking about margin for the last two Sundays, and uh, we're going to continue talking about that today. And uh, today we're going to talk about the topic of margin when it comes to your children, or our children. And uh, so the question is, so what does it mean to have margin with your children, and do you know? And I'll tell you that you probably know what it means not to have margin. And let me ask you this, because I, I, I want to assume, hopefully, that most of you guys are kind of like me, in the way that you've dealt with your children sometimes. Uh, let me ask you, have you ever yelled at your kids when they've made a mistake? No. We've got, we got some perfect people in here. <laughs> have you ever felt like being a parent is stressful or that kids are, can be a burden sometimes? Have you ever thought this? If I didn't have children, then I could save money. That's maybe next week, Doug. You okay? Come back next week, Jesse. Uh, this is my favorite because I thought this a lot. Maybe my house wouldn't be in such a wreck if I didn't have all these kids destroying. And if you live in today's culture where it's always rush, 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 and the busier you are, the better. Well, you probably know what it's like to not have any margin with your kids. And I'm guilty of saying and thinking some of these things. And I can honestly tell you, I can use more margin with my kids. The margin can protect your relationship from disaster. Within that margin, there exist relationships that bring joy. Within that margin, you and I can actually have influence over our kids, and, and that they'll actually listen to us. And they'll pick up some of the positive things that we can teach them instead of copying all the, copying all the negative behavior and, uh, and, and living their lives through, uh, through all our mistakes. And uh, within a margin, mistakes can be made, and because there is margin, it won't be detrimental to that relationship. Has anything like this happened to you? You're trying to cook something for supper, your kids are in the other room doing their homework, and your spouse is griping at you about how you spent too much money the week before, and the phone rings, and it's someone from the church wanting to know if you can volunteer to help on some church function, and your little child comes up to you with their homework and says, I don't know how to do this, and the whining and crying, and you just lose it, and you yell, I can't help you right now, I'm too busy. I'll help you in a minute. Jeez! As if to say, how dare you ask me such a question? You know, if, if uh, this sort of stuff has happened to me, and I'm not ashamed to, or embarrassed to tell you that, God knows I love my kids. I just need some margin. Maybe you need some margin with your children. And some of us know what it takes to eliminate the margin with our kids because it is the easy thing to do. You know, some of the things that we allow to eat away at that margin, things like our, our jobs, television, other relationships, money, and yes, even church. So how can we begin to create a little bit more margin with our kids? And I'll just be honest with you, there's a thousand different things that you can do, and the truth is that you yourself know your children and you know yourself better than anyone so that makes you the best candidate to decide what it's going to take to create margin. And all I want to do is share with you uh, really one topic, uh, and that's defining boundaries. 
And da- defining boundaries, I, I want to talk about that because it's, it's like the first step towards creating margin. If you can define some boundaries in your relationship, then you can begin that process of creating margin. And the big question you should ask yourself is, what are you allowing to define the margins in your child's life? Who's the parent in your home? I mean, who's in control? You or your child? Harry S. Truman, I had this quote from Harry S. Truman, and I think he's joking when he says this, but he says, I have found the best way to give advice to your children is to find out what they want and then advise them to do it. But the, it's kind of serious, and it might step on some of our toes, because is that the way that we define boundary, boundaries with our children? Is that the attitude that we have towards our kids? Let's look at that old proverb, chapter 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. How many of you have heard this verse before? Plenty of times. But how many of you know what it really means? When I look at my concordance, the word that, that's used here for train, it comes from a Hebrew word that means to dedicate or devote to godliness. Dedicate or devote to godliness. If you just read over it, you could think anything where it says train. Okay, I know some stuff. I watch a lot of UFC and I, you know, I can teach my kids some submission holds or something. And is that what he's talking about in that proverb? It's not. He's talking about de- dedicating and devoting your children in godliness. And if you really break the whole verse down, it means to dedicate and devote them to God by way of relationship, by teaching, through our examples, in the instructions of the Lord. Not to teach them that our ways, but God ways. And how can we teach our children the ways of God if we don't know them? And certainly if we don't live by them. You know, I've, I've thought a lot, oftentimes, that I knew stuff and I knew what was best for my children. And then I could teach them all the things that they should know in order to live a successful life. And when I realized that, uh, that all the things that I used to base my knowledge on were just weak and very fragile, the things of this world, and until the day that I realized that I was stupid, nobody disagreed with me, <laughs> that I was stupid and that I was on the wrong side. It wasn't until that day and that day that Jesus Christ revealed himself to me that I allowed him to have total lordship over my life. And then I gained the ability to train up my children in the way they should go. It wasn't until then that I myself knew the way that I should go. So first things first, if you want to have healthy margin with your kids, quit trying to be in control and allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And nothing, because this is important, nothing else that you do outside of that will have any effect on them. Now, for those of us that have established a relationship with Christ, what's next? First of all, we need to realize that we, that we can't have a relationship with God. It's possible. You can't have a relationship with God and be a sorry parent. How many of you know King David, the one who slew Goliath? Okay. Lots of us know that story, but how many of you know the stories about David's children? You should read about them sometime. It's in 2 Samuel. It's, it's very interesting. If you read them, you just might think you're not doing so badly yourself as a parent. But what you have is you have his son, Amnon, who's a rapist. You have his son, Absalom, who's a murderer. And Adonijah, does that sound good? Adonijah, good. <laughs> who tries, Adonijah tries to steal the throne away from David when David gets up in age. He's an old man. 
And so why do children, if David's a godly man, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart, why does his children turn out like this? And it because, really, it's because as a father, he never defined the boundaries in his children's life, and there was no margin. And I like for us to look at all the things that we allow to define the, the boundaries in our relationships with our kids, and let's talk about some of them, <laughs> and things that might take away from that margin. And let's uh, identify them, and let's try to turn them around, and we can b- begin to create healthy margin. And so the first thing I want to talk about is just influences. How do, how do you define those boundaries? What, uh, what influences, and this is just something you can think in your mind, what influences do you allow in your home? You can talk specifically about television. Uh, how many times have you let television be the babysitter in your home? I'm guilty of that. When there, when there are things around the house that I need to do, I just stick the kids, you can stick them, put a movie on, stick, stick them in front of the TV, and you have all the time in the world that you need to get the things done that you need to get done. So what happens when you do this a lot? They become so comfortable with their new babysitter, they begin trusting what it says, and then you lose influence. And I've been, I've been reading a book at work, and it's a biography on John Wooden, one of the greatest basketball coaches at UCLA. And when he talks about his, child, his childhood, he recalls some of the lessons that his father taught him. He calls them the golden rules, and they came in two sets of threes. And his dad was pretty organized. And he talks about how he implemented those same lessons as a coach at UCLA. And what astonished me was that the fact that he listened to his dad, what his dad was teaching, and and he actually used them. He He not only heard what his dad was saying, but he actually trusted his dad enough in his dad's teaching to apply it to his life. But if you look at his childhood, because I'm astonished because I didn't do that. My dad taught me all the right things, but I didn't listen to him. I didn't trust him. And I, I'll get into the, the reason why not a little bit later. But, uh, but if you look at John Wooden's childhood, you can start to see why he listened to his dad. He was raised in a small town just before the Great Depression and, and like during the Great Depression. And the children, they lived in a, a real small farmhouse. They shared rooms. It was like three brothers. He actually had two sisters, I think, that didn't make it past the ages of three. But uh, they all, as a family, lived in this real small house. The boys woke up every morning, and they went to school. And when they came home, they did their chores, and then it was a, there was a time for family to eat supper together, and there was a time for uh, visiting and socializing as a family. Uh, so what influences did he have in his life? And if you look at it, that daily routine he had, primarily school, and his father were the influences in his life. There was no television. There was no neighborhood kids running around uh, to take away from the input as a parent that his father had uh, uh, taught him. And uh, so John Wooden never learned to question his father, his, his father's instructions. Are you, are you following me? Because <laughs> we have that today. We have all these influences that make our kids question the influences that, that we, we try to instruct in them. So when I was growing up, I didn't like what my dad was saying to me. And I could go to my friends. I can even go to their parents. And I, and I could just bounce around until I finally found somebody who would agree with me. And bingo, I didn't have to agree with my dad. You know, and I, and I would get advice from people just like that. that uh, their attitude was just like that quote from Harry S. Truman. These people didn't care about me. They just wanted to look cool like a cool parent in front of me. And so they really loved themselves more than they cared about me because they were worried about their image. And uh, I did think they were cool at the time. I thought, they are cool. I wish my parents were like that. But they didn't teach me anything that helped me. All that they taught me only caused me a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. And now, you're the parent. And you have control over what influences your children. 
If you're like me, you don't have any organized golden rules, two sets of three, uh, established, but you can do as I do. Let God do all the work. Ephesians 6, 4, this is the New Living Translation. It says, and now a word to you fathers. And I think he's not just talking about uh, fathers, but as parents. Don't make your children angry by the way that you treat them, but rather uh, bring them up with a discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. You'll know how to influence your children as you study the infallible word of God. How much are your children worth to you? It's hard. I know. The Bible is not the most exciting book in places. In other places, it's some of the best stuff I've ever read. It changed my life. But how much are your children worth to you? How much is their future worth to you as a parent? Wouldn't you just take a look at the kinds of influences that you allow in your home and, and just look for a way to get rid of some of them? You know, start small. And then uh, look for ways to bring them up in instructions that's been approved by God. That's where you get it, is in His Word. And also, I'd just like to say as a church, as, as a community of Christ followers, as Christians, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to take all of us, because we have a whole world uh, uh, of ungodliness, a whole world that's just really uh, teaching different things than God is teaching, you know, out there trying to influence us and our children. And it's going to take us pulling together to, to, to be effective. You know, when, when my kids, some, at some point in their life, they, they belong to this church. This, this church is a family to them, and at some point in their life, they may do what I did, not agree with what I was saying, and they may go to you and, and try to get the cool answer, try to get you to agree with them. And I would appreciate it as a parent that if you would teach them the right thing, but you have to be prepared to teach them the right thing. If you don't put it in you, you can't put it in them. And then that's my hope that my kids have a, a more secure boundary when it comes to influences and that uh, they can avoid a lot of the problems that I ran into in my childhood. Okay, so that's just touching and talking about influences. It's up to you to decide how to define those boundaries because I can't tell you, and there's a million different things that you can do. So next thing I want to talk about is discipline. Now, this may be a touchy subject, so I'm just going to go straight to the Word of God so that there can be no arguing. Proverbs 13:24 says, If you refuse to discipline your children, it proves that you don't love them. If you love your children, you will be prompt to discipline them. There are many places in the Bible where God speaks of discipline. A lot. Do you remember uh, King David's son, Adonijah? <laughs> we, you know, we talked about him earlier. I struggled saying his name earlier. <clears throat> well, uh, if, you, if you go to the story of his life where he's beginning to try to overthrow David, it is very clear, and this is in, it's in 1 Kings if you want to go back and look at it. In the first chapter, it says it's very clear about the fact that David never disciplined him. Now, in our homes, the same things can happen. If you don't discipline your children, they will try to overthrow you. They will get an army together with chariots and spears, and they will take over by force. <laughs> I know my kids will. No, I'm just kidding. But, but uh, you know, if you don't discipline your kids, they'll subtly take control over, uh, over your household, over your life. And Doug has said this more than once. He said that kids need and want the structure of discipline. That's not quoting him word for word, but he's basically said that. 
And I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to discipline your kids. That's up to you. But uh, because you're the best candidate for the job, I just simply want to tell you that if you want margin, you need to discipline your kids. When I was a kid, I got disciplined. My parents were very strict, and they were very consistent in the ways that they disciplined me. When I was failing a class, when report cards came out, I had to bring all my books home every day. After, uh, and after my chores were done, I had to sit in my room and study those textbooks. And I spent the rest of the evening, Monday through Friday, studying those textbooks. And I had to do this until the next report card showed that I was passing the class again, which was every six weeks, I think, was when we got report cards. Now, I remember uh, this would, you know, usually work for about a six-week period until, you know, when I got my next report card and I was passing, and then they slacked off, or, or they didn't have a reason to discipline me, and then uh, my grades would fall, and then boom. So about every other six weeks, I was grounded, and I had to bring home my textbooks every day and study them. <coughs> now, this I don't have anything to do with the lesson, but I want to share this with you. Uh, it might give you a different perspective on discipline. I, you know, I hated studying those school books. I mean, I, math, science, you know, history. I remember I, I used to take my history book, and they got a lot of pictures and stuff in there, and they got little captions underneath them, and I would just read those captions, you know, and I mean, I just didn't have anything else to do. But, you know, after you go through them, it can get really boring. And so, you know, you're just kind of pretending that you're looking at them. So if my parents come in, they say, okay, he's, he's looking at them. Okay, and it, it, it dawned on me that our school, we have a library. And you can check out whatever books you wanted in that library. And, uh, and I started, you know, looking at the books, and I seen how small that those books were. And I looked at my textbooks, and I seen how big those were. And I realized that it, as if I sat on my bed and they opened the door and looked, they would see the outside. If I, if I took a book and put it in the inside, I could open it up and I could read the story. But to them, they would see the textbook, and then they wouldn't know, you know, anything was going on. And I used to go get these, uh, I started checking out these Louis L'Amour Western novels. Man, I, they had a bunch of them. And I was just reading them and reading them and reading them and reading them. And I, I just, I would read them like you wouldn't believe. And, and, and to this day, I love to read books. You know, I, I don't really know why I'm telling you except to say that inadvertently through their discipline, I, I, I now love to read. And they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't do that with some of my other siblings, my brothers and sisters. And then today, they don't read. They don't read books. They don't enjoy it. And you might not know exactly what you're doing or exactly what to do, but that's okay because sometimes good things come out of discipline, even when it's not working the way that you, you planned on it working. I also need to tell you about one critical mistake that my parents made when it came to discipline. And I've heard Doug say this before. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. That's why I didn't trust my father. My parents were good people. I'm not taking anything away from them. And I know I've come to believe that they've done, they did everything they thought was best for me. Thank God for Celebrate Recovery. I've come to believe that. <laughs> but they, they did have a lot of rules. And uh, they had a lot of rules without relationship. And, it, you know, if you take that equation that I've heard Doug say, I rebel because the rules without relationship equal rebellion. And as parents, how can we expect that, you know, our children to trust that what we have, uh, what we want for them is the best for them if we don't have a relationship with them, if we don't hang out with them? You know, my parents didn't know me, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe that they wanted what was best for me. I thought it was all about control, honestly, and uh, so I rebelled. And kids are smart enough to know that if you spend time with them, then you love them. And that's the next thing I want to talk about is time. Where does most of your time go? Asking yourself this question can help you realize what you love the most. 
And whatever you decide to do to create margin in your children or with your children, time is going to be what holds it all together. That's part of the mistake that my parents made with me is that they, they just failed to develop that relationship. You know, I was forever guessing. Sleep on me. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I was what I was trying to say was I was forever guessing and second guessing how they felt about me. You know, they would say, you know, son, we love you. But because they didn't, they didn't hang out with me, I was forever just wondering if they were telling me the truth. And, it, you know, it's not all their fault, fault because I was a very insecure kid. Uh, just to tell you, you know, my, my mother died of a drug overdose when I was eight years old. And I didn't have a, a father, so I, I was adopted. And I think that played a big part in the relationship with our kids. And so, like I said, parents know what's best for the kids. My parents knew the situation. Uh, you know, and they, and, but they just they failed to adapt to that situation. They failed to, to adjust their parenting to compensate for things that I was lacking. But again, it's not all their fault. I was just an insecure kid. No matter how, how many times they told me, I didn't believe them uh, uh, because of, of part of the relationship was missing. Uh, but nevertheless, there was a breakdown in the relationship on both sides, and I rebelled. And it took me going through years of pain before I realized that they did have my best interests at heart. And we all know when it comes to time, we can't make any more of it. Uh, all we have is what we are given. And if you're going to make the best of your time, then you need to manage it well. And I can remember as a kid that I, I can remember really wanting him to hang out with me. I remember. I remember he's, he, one time he played a Monopoly with me and my brother, and uh, he kicked our butt. And, uh, but it was awesome. He, he stayed in there for, I don't know, two hours, however long it took to play that game. And it was just awesome. And uh, I can remember a point in my life where I really wanted to hang out with my dad. When he was working on the car, I wanted to help. When he was, you know, uh, I remember one time he, he, he went to Athens. He was on the JC in Athens, and they were building a, a, a haunted house, you know, and he took us with him. And I was so looking forward to, to helping him, but he never really, we just kind of got in his way. There was, a, you know, a lot of other men's. But <clears throat> I can also remember a time well, I didn't want to hang out with him. Something happened. Uh, you know, and so now my parents want to hang out with me. They call me. They wonder when the next time it is that we're going to come up and visit. And guess what? I don't want to hang out with them. Usually I give them some lame excuse, you know, well, we're busy, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. We got a lot of kids, you know, I ain't got no money for gas. <laughs> yeah, I'm preaching, stressed, you know, whatever. I forgot how to get there. <laughs> uh, but something happened, and the way that I respond to them, it changed. 
And today, my, my parents have very little influence over my life and the decisions that I make. I don't ever call them and, and ask for advice. I don't ever call them. It means today, you know, we're, we make a decision to have another baby or we make a decision to move. I don't call them and ask for instructions. Um, G-rated, yeah. The stork brings the babies to, to Palestine. <clears throat> That's the Disney version. <laughs> Basically, the bottom line was the investment of time wasn't there early on. And, uh, and I try to remember that, how I felt as a kid. And I try to spend time with my kids. And I, I really, certainly I can do a better job. But the difference between me, I think, and my parents is that I'm willing. And uh, that's all you have to be, is to be willing to, to invest that time. It won't be perfect, especially at first. But if you start becoming willing, then things will just change drastically. Your priorities will change. Uh, and, you know, here's the thing with spending time with your kids. You don't have to go on a big trip. You don't have to take them to an amusement park or to the lake or, you know, this big, huge thing. It's little things that they enjoy the most. You know, sometimes Alyssa and Kaylee, when we put them to bed at night, we tuck them in. They'll say, Daddy, Daddy, you want to wake us up uh, so we can, you know, drink coffee with you in the morning? And uh, I get up at 4.30 in the morning. And they want to get up and drink coffee with me. You know, I don't think kids should drink coffee, but I let them, I let them do it from time to time. They wake up. I wake them up. They wake up with a smile. And uh, we sit there and we just, I give them a cup of coffee with a lot of milk, kind of dilute the coffee. And, uh, and we just kind of hang out and talk. And it means the world to them. And because it means the world to them, it means a lot to me. And uh, I got this. Uh, this this will really illustrate it. Charles Francis Francis Adams is a 19th century political figure and diplomat. He kept a diary. And one day he entered, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary, which is still in existence. On that same day, Brooke Adams made this entry, went fishing with my father, most wonderful day of my life. Now the father thought it was a wasted day because they didn't catch any fish. But the son saw it as an investment of time. And the only way to know whether or not you're wasting time or investing time is to get your priorities right. Are you a parent because you're supposed to give your children all the stuff that you never had? Or are you a parent because God wants you to invest in your children the same time and love that he's invested in you? Don't you love early Sundays? Because we're going to wrap this up. Basically, I don't want to tell you what to do. To create margin, I just want to bring things to your mind to give you ideas and things that you can think about, things that you can take away uh, in your life that would help you establish margin with your kids. And if you do need margin in your life when it comes to your, your, your children, go ahead and take your registration cards. I think everybody got one. And if you're, if you're willing to take some steps to create margin, I would like for you to write this down on the back. Right, I'm going to take back some territory. For instance, we talked about earlier this week about, uh, as parents, how we let our children sleep with us uh, in our beds a lot. I do it a lot, and I really enjoy it. I do. I enjoy my kids piling in the bed. We have a king-size bed, and it's still enough room. Uh, <laughs> but... But uh, I enjoy it. I never did that with my parents, and I enjoy it. And I've heard people say, don't ever do that, Jason. You, you won't be able to break up the habit. Well, let me tell you what we do. 
I like it, so if they ask me and I'm in the mood to have them sleep in the bed, I say yes. If I'm not in the mood and they ask me, guess what I say? No. It's that easy. And they understand. They, they understand that it, when they get that privilege, it's, it's, gonna be, uh, it's not going to be all the time. It, they'll get a privilege one night to do it, and the next night they may not have it. They understand that. I just made it clear. Some of you may be in the same situation that we are in that aspect, and you need to gain back some territory. That's what I mean, gain back your bedroom from time to time. Or some, some, uh, we talked about Friday night at Celebrate Recovery. As parents, and I, it really, this is a lesson for all age groups, and if uh, some kids may have done things to you as parents and they're older, and maybe you just need to do something as simple as, it's not simple, uh, it's a simple act, but it's hard and tough to do, is just forgive them. Maybe that's what you need to do. And like I said, I don't know what's going on in your situation, but just say you're going to gain back some territory and then go home and really think about what it is you're going to do. And then, most importantly, I just want to say this, and we'll wrap it up. I hand the mic over to Alex, is that it doesn't matter what you do. Your best friend, the people at your job, uh, the most educated people uh, uh, from the most you know, psychologists and all that, they don't know what's best for your children. They don't know like God knows. God created them. God put them with you for a reason. And you have to go to God to, to understand and to get his approved instructions to train them up in the way that sh- they should go. Thank you. And you guys have a, uh, a great Sunday. This, uh,